And we're back. Wow. Crazy. That was quite the story. Yeah. Like, if you close your eyes and envision, like, you can you can see that whole thing just right. happening. Very vividly. So, I noticed in, in this story, listening to it, there were some key themes. Would you like to just uh, go over those themes? Absolutely. I'd be happy to. I'm glad you spotted them. So, <laughs> um, there are are some key themes in this um you see in the early part of it the the dreams of the the young girl and obviously this is my story right i wrote this right. this is my story and right. i synthesized it and i did not include all of the scenarios that i could possibly have included but <laughs> this is my story so in the beginning you saw the love bombing the the excitement of a new relationship and the expectations for a happy home and children running through it right, right. so that was the fake life that um, was kind of projected as a possibility in the abusive relationship and then pretty quickly you go into the the cognitive dissonance all of the different um, parts of the um, the abusive cycle Um, so tension building acts of violence honeymoon phase and a constant cycle of those three components um, which can keep you completely confused. Um, you heard referenced in, in the story, you know, the real times, uh, the happy times were not real. It was the, the bad times were actually the reality, right? Mm, right. And the good times were just a way of gathering ammunition. Um, it was a way that I would let my guard down and let information out during right. the good times that they would, then would be used against me during mm. the bad times. Um, so it's it's a very clear picture of the cycle of abuse in there. Right. Um, there are other themes in the story that you probably heard. Um, gaslighting is a term that I'd love for you to understand. Um, so there was a movie, um, one of my favorite actresses, Angela Lansbury. Okay. Um, so in 1940, I think it was her first movie ever. Um, this is her, her debut, I believe. And she was in a movie called Gaslighting. So gaslighting um, is a concept where somebody will try to make you think you're crazy. In the movie, the husband of the story was trying to make the wife think she was crazy um, because he was actually trying to get access to her, old, her dead aunt's fortune in the attic and um, was trying to distract her from what he was doing. Um, <clears throat> so the gaslighting term comes from the fact that um, when he was using the, the power in the, the attic, um, the gaslight in the portion of the house where she was would flicker and she would tell him, oh, you know, the lights are flickering, don't you see it? And he'd say, no, no, not <laughs> wow. at all. It's not flickering. And he would do things like give her a bracelet and then take the bracelet and hide it and make her think that she was crazy having mislaid the bracelet. Um, take pictures off the wall and then start blaming the servants for having stolen it until she started going crazy herself saying no 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 I'm sure the servants didn't take it and she would find it just by accident and then he would accuse her of having hidden it herself so gaslighting was a theme in the story Um, and I think it's pretty common all the people I know who've been in abusive relationships have talked about the gaslighting when I have said you know these are the scenarios that I experienced there's been a a sense of incredible relief on their faces that they weren't going crazy because they were being um, basically played as a fool 
um, told things that weren't true and they believed it or they would really question their own sanity. So gaslighting is a, is a really big theme in abusive relationships. I mentioned smear campaigns. I said, um, you know, there was a smear campaign against me with my friends and my church. So um, that's also a very common theme in abusive relationships, partic particularly towards um, the end, um, I feel. But um, it's, you know, that's another scenario that can really destroy your support network, of course, which is a big goal of an abusive person is to make you completely reliant on them completely tied to them so a smear campaign in in my experience was sending emails out to my, all of my friends telling them you know what an awful person I am telling um, I think Alan you may have received information about me that wasn't true um, telling the, the my other children as well yeah. um, you know mommy's a liar mommy's Mummy's um, having me tailed by private investigators. Mummy's having affairs. I mean, wow. mummy likes this child better than that child. All kinds of things um, that weren't true. Right. But were yeah. said about me. So that's a smear campaign and in, in the form of church. Well, I think it's very important to understand that the church is a great place for an abuser to hide. Mm. And I don't think that there is enough visibility in that. Um, so why is the church a great place for an abuser to hide? Because Christians want to forgive, right? Right. Mm. Forgive and forgive and forgive and forgive, right? And we're told to forgive many, many times, right? Definitely. Unlimited number of times. Um, but the Bible does call for us to watch out for wolves in sheep's clothing as well. Mm. And so there's a difference um, uh, where you're addressing a wolf in sheep's clothing. That's, that's, that's not um, helping another fellow Christian brother out. That's a very, very different scenario. Um, but unfortunately, we are not equipped as a society to spot a wolf in sheep's clothing. And the church is a great place for somebody to not only um, hide, but to gain a position of um, authority even without getting paid for it. But, oh, you know, I'm leading the men's group or I'm, you know, I'm the, you know, working to be a junior pastor. You know, these are all things that somebody could say to really gain credibility in a conversation and sound like such a nice person while they're beating their wife or abusing their wife financially or verbally or, or psychologically. So. Right, because if you're the looked at as the good guy, you're mm -hmm. they're, they're not going to question what you're doing outside of church because right. they, they, they know assume. you're the good guy. Mm -hmm. You know, they assume, yeah, Absolutely. perfect word. They assume Absolutely. that you're doing everything that yeah. you say. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So actually one of the projects that I'm excited to be working on is creating a domestic violence policy wow. um, in collaboration with my church. They're very progressive, they're very excited about the thought of making sure that um, domestic violence victims are treated correctly. Um, and so I'm enjoying researching and, and pulling together the, the policy. I think it's something that um, is, is so critical because the church is potentially the first line of defense for many, many domestic violence victims. Right. Where else are you gonna go? You're gonna talk to your pastor, you might talk to your pastor's wife. That could be the first place you go if your entire support circle has been worked, uh, taken away from you. Um, because of course we talked about, you know, it's, it's very common for a victim to um, be distanced from their family and distanced from their friends. 
in an abusive relationship, you know, you might hear things like, well, you know, I just don't like your mother. Um, don't have her come round, right? And so you start to, to find that as, you know, your mother comes around and, and it's awkward and uncomfortable and so you just don't invite her as often and then you start to lose that relationship or, right. you know, your, your friends just don't like hanging out with you and that character, the perpetrator, so they start to fall away naturally. Right. So you can find yourself in an abusive relationship and isolated in that too. So the abuser really has a lot of power. Yeah. Very much so. This is all about power and control. Wow. And the, um, so the Duluth power and control wheel, it's called that for a reason. There, Mm -hmm. there are numerous ways in which somebody could take control over you. Um, but yeah, it's all about power and control. Absolutely. Wow. So there were other themes in the story that that I suggested. Um, escalation during exit. I mean, you, you might want to say, well, why would you stay in a relationship like this? I mean, there are many reasons why somebody might stay in the relationship, including not being sure what's going on. Right, <laughs> right. They right. could be completely yeah. confused. Um, for my part, I oscillated between being completely confused and knowing that it would be really, really dangerous for me to try to exit. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Not just for me, but for my children. And um, I had a, a somewhat of a um, decent sense of that from watching, from waking up to what I realized I'd seen with Alan Jr. and his mother. Um, I had some revelations that just came to me. Um, there were so many strange things, so many cognitive dissonances in the early part of my marriage when I would come home from work and find Alan Jr. walking on the street crying and you know he'd tell me oh mommy was supposed to come pick me up and of course that would make him emotional she hadn't come to pick him up and it wasn't until literally I started exiting from this this very dangerous relationship that I realized scenarios like that were actually probably contrived to make her look bad Right. right? Mm-hmm. She was not told that she was supposed to be picking him up. Mm-hmm. He was told that she was supposed to be coming to get him. And I was right. told to make her look bad to me as well. You know, poor Alan. Oh, she's incompetent. No, right. no this was just a contrived did, situation yeah. to, to make her look bad and to make him upset. Right. So I realized that in exiting the relationship, I was going to have the fight of my life, not just for my own sanity, but for the sanity of my children. Right. Mm-hmm. So... For me, that was a very big consideration. and It was almost a case of you keep your friends close, but you keep your enemies closer. And I, I did operate in that way for a while, knowing that I was in a dangerous situation, but couldn't figure for the life of me how to exit it in one piece. So that's, Yeah, that's great that you brought that up because, you know, a lot of times I, I, I look at it as, you know, if you're in um, a relationship like that, it's, it's going to be difficult to exit. Um, so you can't just quickly exit because it is the likelihood of that happening and you just come off very smoothly, clean, mm-hmm. nothing nothing yeah. else is going to yeah. happen is very slim. So I, I want to ask Alan, you know, during that time when, you know, as far as you were walking and, you know, as Elsa said, she saw you and you're, you know, crying, thinking, you know, oh, my mom right. was going to come get me. How did you feel like? I feel, like she said, like I felt like I was like, man, my mom don't want to come pick me up, or you know, she just doesn't want to be around me anymore, or whatever. She just felt incompetent and not, 
you know, being able to do that anymore and things like that. So I felt just emotion towards her, like that she just didn't want to be around anymore. I thought she just gave up, kind of. It was in that sense, but it was that he was controlling her brain and mm-hmm. telling her, not basically t- telling her, not telling her to come get me when she was supposed right. to, you know after school because she was supposed to get me like every two weeks every Friday through Sunday yeah. to pick me up and it would be like once a month wow he would be controlling those situations yeah I think mm. he was controlling not not just the logistics of the situations mm-hmm. but as I reflect upon it mm-hmm. and look at your Alan's reaction and I look at his mother's reaction mm-hmm. and I, I look at the dynamics of what's happened to me in the last three years dealing with my escape from this crazy situation right. um there was psychological control over her even while she wasn't in the relationship Around, yeah. anymore because i see it psychological control over the children and me even right. you know three years later there's there's certainly some you know traces of it so right. it, i think i think she she also was in the fight of her life and i have mm-hmm. much much respect for her yeah, because I was Absolutely. never angry towards my mom about that because I just knew, like, I st- once I got older and wiser, I just knew, like, it's not her fault. No. You know, it's just the intimidation. She just doesn't want to be around this negative energy. She doesn't have time for it, you know, and she's trying to get her life together, you know, and it was hard for her because it just brings back too many memories of the past and just, like, basically she got PTSD from it, you yeah. know? and that actually is quite a common thing with domestic violence victims so they actually call it complex post-traumatic stress disorder because okay. PTSD will come from an isolated incident but complex post-traumatic stress disorder will come from repeated insults of right, that kind right. and I mean if if she had a nine-year relationship and I came out of a 17-year relationship with the same person who really didn't change methodology just maybe got a bit more sophisticated about it over the years right. then you know that's that's repeated battering of you know various parts of your brain that people i mean i i feel very very blessed that i can have a coherent conversation about this because i think people can be reduced um to you know really being um very very stressed and, and yeah. really yeah. not being able to function mm-hmm. in uh, coming out of situations like this so and i think a large part of of why I'm I'm okay is the amazing support group that I had around me. Um, I was really very fortunate. Angels, I would say, um, put around me, but because yeah. I um, I don't think um I could have got out on my own for sure. I mean, I talked in the story about the domestic violence support agency. Mm-hmm. I probably know half of my city police force um, <laughs> at this point, and we're all very, <laughs> very comfortable and happy to talk to one another. And you know, they stop by the house occasionally and ask me how I'm doing. And um, I had amazing neighbours who knew what was going on. Um, the church began to help me in a very meaningful way. Um, the uh, not in the beginning because you really had a lot of people in the church targeting me at first but right. but once once it became obvious um, what his intentions were the, the church um, started to understand the, the clear a picture that was a bit clearer um, and friends just holding my hand through it and you know helping me with the kids and just amazing and, and Alan and Catherine and their support right. I could not could not have made it out sane so that so 
like the advice for those out there who are going through a domestic violence uh, situation, having a good support system is very, important. very important. Absolutely. And I would add um, all those people that I, I threw out there just now, I would also add it was critical to find the right lawyer. Right? Oh. I had to think very carefully about it. I actually got advice from the Domestic Violence Support Agency. I interviewed six or seven lawyers before I found the right person. For me, um, it was really, really important that that person be uh, of unquestionable integrity because I really don't want to be bothered with somebody who's going to lie <laughs> right, and try right. to cheat the system. I'm like, whatever's due to me is what's due to me. And I didn't want to have to clean up behind my lawyer and say, no, we're not going to be sneaky. I just wanted somebody I could trust. Exactly. Um, who really um, conveyed how I see life. So I really lucked out there. Um, and then I found an amazing counselor for the children, a family counselor, um, while not uh, a Christian, um, who had really a very sensible outlook on life um, and was very good at, at um, working with me to carefully debunk any unhealthy relationship norms that they might have adopted okay. um, from the other party, from the perpetrator. Mm. So while you're going through a divorce, um, you can quite easily have uh, the accusation of parental alienation thrown at you, especially if you're the custodial parent. And sure enough, that did happen to me. I was accused of parental alienation. Um, wow. While That's in crazy. fact, yeah. um, it was the other party who was telling the children that I'm an awful person and that you know they should go live with him. And <laughs> so it was, you know, projection is very common with this kind of person. They're going to project onto you all of their character flaws and their character disorder um and you know once i started educating myself on this i was fully aware i mean we're talking about a textbook example (laughs) check off all of the sections and all of the chapters of any domestic violence perpetrator description and and i i I hit the the jackpot (laughs) so um so i knew what i was was dealing with and at the same time I had to be very careful I couldn't couldn't you know tell the children well you know he's awful right that's that's not I mean that doesn't fit with my the way I want to live life either it's not appropriate I may think that internally (laughs) but um that's for them to find out and I had to be very very careful about helping the children through their own cognitive dissonances they really went through an 18 month period of severe confusion you know, one minute they don't like him because, frankly, he was very abusive to them, as he was with Alan Jr. Right. Right. And um, yes, I had to, to, you know, get a lot of help with that before finally ending things. But they, you know, went from not liking him at all to then he leaves he leaves the house because I got him ejected with an order of protection. Right. Um, to um, him bringing them donuts and buying them lots of things and, and then being really confused. So he is buying their love, basically. Yeah, sounds yes, like that. and being really, really nice. Wow. And, um, you know, I was very blessed in that they had some very good friends and their next-door neighbors, the children next door. Mm-hmm. Um, very sensible, very wise children. And um, my kids would go to them and they'd say, oh, yeah, you know, daddy's telling us that mommy's doing this and mommy's awful and, and he's going to stop her from putting us in this school and he's going to take her to court over this. And he was telling them all these things that really you shouldn't be sharing with children. Right. Um, but um, 
you know, they'd say to the, the kids next door, well, you know, I, I'm so confused, you know, I feel like I don't like mommy because daddy's saying all these horrible things about who she is. And, and the kids next door would say, well, you know, you didn't like him before he left because he was horrible to you and mean to you. So why are you confused now? You know, right, <laughs> I mean, right, people yeah, are who they true. are. Yeah. Exactly. And thank God for those, those wise children next door. So it, it really helped to clarify things for my guys that, and you know, they, they, they didn't get it from me. They got it from their peers. Right. And all the while, you know, the, the counselor was educating them on healthy relationship, um, behavior so you know it's not nice to talk about other people in a negative manner is it you know right. we shouldn't really do that and then they were able to spot well mommy's not talking to us about anybody in a negative manner but guess who is yeah exactly and so they they kind of put two and two together themselves which is highly appropriate definitely um, i think yeah. i think you know you went about it the best way you know, it, as as hard I'm, as I'm sure it was for you to hold back and not say those negative things. Sometimes you, you got to bite your tongue. Yeah, exactly. Well, sometimes it was under the breath. Yeah, <laughs> right, right. <laughs> not necessarily biting the tongue. Right. <laughs> or maybe a, a screaming session on my own in the car <laughs> while driving at speed down the highway. You have to let it out regardless. Yeah, 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 yeah. You do. I'm only human. Exactly. So, uh, absolutely. But um, I think the biggest thing is, is, um, is trying to guide them towards forgiveness. I think mm. forgiveness is a very important theme in this, which you heard right at the end of, of my story, right? Yeah. So she, gave, she forgave, uh, you know, she forgave him for, for being a predator because he was a predator, right? right. That's, that's what he is, right? I mean, I don't like mosquitoes. Right, and I would liken the situation to a mosquito in terms of the aggravation that it causes in my life. Um, <laughs> and um, while I I can't um, can't have the the children um, suppress their feelings, I want to to help them address forgiveness, um, not hold that real estate in their head um, for the rest of their lives being angry. Because of course, you know. You know they're insulted that they've been treated like fools, right? Um, they're insulted that, you know, this this person who was really horrible to them tried to, to convince them that he was something that he wasn't. Right. Um, and so they're really angry at the moment. Mm. But my job now is to help them to understand he is what he is, right? Whether it was nature or nurture that created him to be a predator. I don't know. Right. Don't really care. I'm not going to analyze it. I've read plenty of medical reports that talk about how the brain of somebody who behaves in this way, they've got a stunted amygdala, the prefrontal cortex is different. Yeah. Fine. I'm not interested in analyzing his brain. What I'm most interested in is making sure that the brains of my children now are healthy because I don't want them to um, forge negative neural pathways, um, thinking in an angry manner about him for the rest of their lives. I want them to understand, let's put this in a box. We've got to forgive because if you just continue to think negatively, that's going to impact the rest of your life. Right. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's kind of like the Bible says, don't let a bitter root grow up in you. I mean, who's it going to hurt? It's actually just going to hurt yourself. It's not going to hurt the person who's done something to you. And there's really nothing that one can do with this. One can hope that at some point there's a revelation maybe he wakes up and realizes that oh i've really behaved badly and you know i'd love to rekindle this relationship with my children and and you know 
carefully and, and gently let them know that I'm a reformed character. I personally don't believe that's possible. Right. Based At on, this point, no. <laughs> Based on, you know, three, almost four years of exiting this and no change in behavior, um, I truly believe that all the medical reports I read about, you know, particular parts of the brain being impacted. Right. Um, causing people to behave like this. I, yeah, I, I mean... Yeah, so neurorestoration is a possibility, right? I mean, I've seen somebody who had a, um, you know, a traumatic spinal injury from a bicycle accident walk again, even though he can't actually feel any of his limbs. So you know that you can restore parts of the brain, right? But I think in the case of somebody who is an abuser, who is so entrenched in their thought processes as an abuser, is not willing to acknowledge there's anything wrong with them. Because they're probably... Help. Yeah, because at that point, they're probably in too deep. Yeah. Like, you know, believing Mm -hmm. that the life that they're living is, like, indeed... Is absolutely right. You know? And I see, you know, and the Bible talks about the the delusions that are given to people Mm. towards the end of times. And I truly see a delusional behavior, belief, a self-belief in... um, Lies, right? Um, that I I don't see any way out of that for that person, unfortunately. But you know, miracles can happen, and I've seen Absolutely. many many yeah. miracles <laughs> in the last three four years. So, um, you never know; it's a possibility. But in the meantime, forgiveness is is so important because it 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 frees you to be able to live your life and not just live it, but really really enjoy it. Uh-huh. And not waste your time dwelling on on the insults that may have happened to you. I mean, goodness me, I've had some insults. <laughs> I've been called all kinds of names that I didn't even know existed, right? By this person, I had no idea what a dingleberry was until. Yeah, well, what's a, what, wait? What, what, what's a dingleberry? Let let no, the people know. Yeah, so apparently, a dingleberry is the part of the um, poop that kind of lingers on dogs. Um, the hair yeah. of the dogs. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and so it was, I mean, to my, oh my to my amusement, frankly, Very I'm starting to dig into, you know, in the story I refer to, you know, how iMessage told all. Well, you know, unfortunately for this person, he was not very scrupulous about covering his tracks and, you know, logging into the family computer. <laughs> I found, oh my goodness, a lot of really rude messages about me to his friends and was highly... Uh, curious when I see this word dingles, dingles, and then later it's like he's calling me dinklebury. I'm like, he called me the half breed something or other as well. Um, wow. Yeah, I mean, very insulting. Yeah. But but looking up dinklebury, I was like, wow, that's really colourful. Mm. But um, mm. so I've I've enriched my vocabulary in this this experience. But I've I've, I mean, sarcasm aside, obviously it's nothing. <laughs> none of that is nice. But right. um, I have really very much grown through this experience. I've learned the value of family, and um, really the importance of uh, enriching um, other people's lives with whatever you may have gone through. Mm-hmm. Right, I've learned so much. I mean, goodness, this is a technicolor experience in pretty much all the different forms of abuse. Right, right. My own personal, personal experience. I've got my own personal story, and um, while I don't like it, don't appreciate it, I can see that I can do something with it. I can bless other people with this. Right, yeah, and that's what we're doing here today. Yeah, exactly. Um, you being a survivor of this, because. It's sad to say that some people don't survive it. Yeah. Absolutely. How do they get out of it? You know, how do they, you know, it's just like, 
how is it that they're still staying in those relationships and they can't find a way out? Well, unfortunately, the legal system is really not geared up to help us. Mm. So I have to tell you that I'm looking at, you know, one to two messages on Facebook a week of children being killed by an abusive parent just to get vengeance against the, mm. the domestic violence victim. I have my own personal experience of, of you know, the legislative system where you know i was kind of advised not to be too loud about the abuse in court because wow. you know they they don't really want to hear it they're not really sympathetic it depends on which judge you get as to whether they care um mm. domestic violence victims that um you know a, it's i think it's like two percent uh, of people might be getting a an order of protection just to get ahead in their divorce 98% of us are not lying. We are being really, really honest about the danger that we're in. But, you know, the, the courts unfortunately seem to um, overestimate the number of people who might be lying. So, yeah. and then the, the craziness of the situation is, you know, you, you, you get an order of protection, you get out of the situation, and then four days later you're in court and your lawyer's looking at you saying, right, so when are the children available to go for visits with the perpetrator of abuse? Wow. Unsupervised, right? And that's really common. So, you know, a lot of people kind of have to stay in their awful situation for fear of, you know, handing over their six-month-old who's still breastfeeding. I mean, the, the stories mm. that I've heard of, of people being forced or told to stop breastfeeding because the child needs to be closer to the other parent you know wow. i mean there's there's it's all subject to the judge you're subject to human whim and humans have bad days i've encountered a judge who didn't seem to have any cognitive function one day and just seemed to be completely confused by everything and made no decision you know and it cost me 10 grand for that day in court oh my gosh right so wow. you you really don't know what happen. you're getting in court and it's it's very difficult to to really um defend yourself against a character who obviously is is um you know really charismatic i mean uh, not all abusers are charismatic but i think um a fair Major number majority of them. Yeah. Yeah, yeah i think it's probably safe to say that a number of them are it's like and... that movie uh what's that movie with jennifer lopez from a long time it was enough yeah i, I, I forgot similar. the name of it but yeah enough it's called I, enough oh it's called enough yeah okay. it's called enough so it was kind of like the same situation where he was kind of charismatic and charming and yeah 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 got his way into the relationship with her and then right damn yeah it's like as soon as you know you go into a relationship you get that person like to fall for you fall in love with you and you know you're you're showing that side that's not really who you are. You're showing the nice side. I'm a good guy. I'm yeah. a sweet guy. A sweetheart. Everybody's on best behavior in the early in the beginning, of course, right? Yeah. Yeah. Of course. That's like, why it's important to look and look and stay in a relationship. For stay a aware. Pay attention. Of time. Yeah. Give it. Give it time. Give it time. Right. Behavioral trends and to to see maybe red flags of behavior, mm -hmm. you know, and I think um, I think it's very important, you know, to to be aware of what your weaknesses are as well, right? Right. So, right. so yeah. in in all of this, I think I've identified, you know, I, I 
brush things under the carpet too easily you know I forgive I I'm happy to say oh you know maybe that person's just having an off day no that person's a dangerous jerk yeah <laughs> yeah and maybe I need to stay away from that person but I I think I, I was raised in a culture of, of forgiveness and and we are all called to forgive as we talked about earlier right. but I think there's also a question of understanding what boundaries you need to put around yourself on what you'll tolerate right because if you know showing your weaknesses you you never want to do that early on because you don't want that person to take advantage of you because once they see that they know what to take advantage of so you know i i I, i'm glad you you are someone who was able to um overcome everything you've overcome yeah mom i just want to say i'm so proud of you thank you you were so strong and the way you handled this whole situation you're you're a strong strong woman definitely And I'm very proud of you, too. Thank you. I appreciate very. it. You've come through your own very deep, it's a very scary situation. Yeah, it was literally like a horror movie, you guys. Mm-hmm. Like a horror movie every day. You just never know. Yeah. It's rough. So, as a family, we stand together. Yeah. And we yeah. are very blessed to be together. Yes, yes. definitely. <laughs> well, we appreciate you for joining us on the show today. Absolutely. You want to uh, let the people know how to get in contact with you on your upcoming projects? Sure. Let's talk about my upcoming projects. So I'm working on a video game that teaches the warning signs of um, gender-based violence. Um, Currently, I'm um, translating it into Creole, actually, to deploy it in Haiti, which is rather exciting. Um, I'm also... Uh, as I mentioned before, working on domestic violence policy for my church, and um, hopefully that will turn into something a bit bigger. I think there are a number of other churches that have expressed interest in having that kind of document and training around that. So Good. I'm very excited to help there. I think that's such a critical piece of work. Um, the biggest piece of work is making sure that my children are calm and happy and have an amazing childhood and create lots of wonderful memories. And um, so that's the, that's the biggest thing for me. But, yeah. uh, there you great. go. Yeah. But to get a hold of me, I think um, everybody can reach out to me via you guys. And I'll Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. Um, well, guys, we appreciate you listening in to another episode. We appreciate you, Elsa, for coming Thank and you. sharing your experience. Um, I'm sure it's going to help a lot of people out there. Yeah. I hope so. Well, thank you. We appreciate you guys. Have a great day. Thank you. And once again, don't forget to subscribe to us on iTunes. Leave a rate review. Let us know what you guys thought of this episode. It was it was really good. Yeah, if you want to hear more, hit us up. Let us know. In the meantime, we out of here. See you next week. <laughs>